0: Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagon Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, LagonValleyVineyard.com. Thank you, thank you. Good afternoon. good afternoon. It's good to be with you. I'm, I'm not doing Movember, but um, I just want you all to know that I can grow a mustache, so um, I'm not really sure why I feel led to tell you that, but I'm nearly 30 and I can. So, um, my name is Chris. I'm part of the team here. Uh, you're super, super welcome to be with us. Um, it's been a big Sunday already. I'm going to keep this short, relatively uh, short and punchy, and then we're going to respond in a way as a community together and celebrate what God's doing. And so, uh, we're going to jump straight in, as we always do. And so, if you have your Bible, why don't you turn to Colossians 3. We're going to be reading from verse 12 to 18. It's Colossians 3, verse 12 to 18. As you're turning just think it's appropriate to acknowledge that God is a God who answers prayer, and uh, uh, Manchester United are back, and um, we are out out of the wilderness, we are moving towards the promised land of trophies and European success, and if you disagree, I don't care. So um, Colossians 3, verse 12, and we'll jump in. These are the words uh, that Paul penned the paper. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, And songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are. God, thank you that you speak to us. And thank you for your scriptures, that we believe that they are a a light and a lamp to our path. They guide us. And so as we open your scriptures, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you speak to us, dwell among us, and move among us. Press in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, a few of you guys will remember uh, just a uh, few months back, Andy McConville, uh, an individual in our community, decided to run an ultra marathon, which is three marathons through the mountains. And then um, he kind of fell short of that, but decided there was a way that he could kind of redeem that situation by doing another further 12 at a later stage and there was kind of this thing around our community where a group of guys were going to get involved to, to do it with them, a kind of a community thing and we were all going to do it um, to help raise awareness and money for the work of Flourish which do an incredible job at working with survivors of human trafficking here in Northern Ireland and so um, I don't... I don't remember signing up for this, and I'm not sure if Andy signed me up or my wife signed me up, but I do recall on the drive there to run the 12 miles through the mountain that I don't, I don't recall signing up for this. And it was a busy time for me. We were getting ready to head away. Uh, the next day, literally the Monday after we were doing it on Sunday, we were getting ready to head away to move with around 50 young people. And so my, my mind was kind of there of how do I get 50 young people to down to the south of Ireland and back up uh, a week later. And so we... Uh, me and my friend JC, we got nominated, I think, by our wives, to be honest. I'm not sure if I should say that. I'm only a year married. But anyway, um, But I think we got nominated by our wives to do it, so we, we, we're going to do it. Now, just a disclaimer, I'm not a runner, okay? like I, I rarely run. I play a bit of football, like, which involves running, but running on the roads is different than that. And from what I can understand is that running through a mountain is also different than running on the roads. So, um, but we decided to do it nonetheless. And then on the drive up is when I realized that, it w- that 12K and 12 mile are not the same thing. So, um, and we were running 12 miles, not 12K. And so, stopped the shop, grabbed some supplies, and we were pretty concerned heading up to it. And uh, we rocked up, and me and JC were just wearing like just regular like workout t-shirts, shorts, and like trainers, you know, like, like what you wear. And, and we arrived to this group of lads, and, uh, it was this point where like genuine concern and fear started to sink in so uh, first of all five out of the seven were already sweating and I was like like I'm nervous you just can't be that nervous like why are you guys sweating and they were explaining to me that they had just ran five miles in preparation and they just needed some electrolytes before they're ready to go for the further 12 and I was like you do not need electrolytes you need prayer like that is not okay <laughs> like that is not a normal thing I'm like I'm if I get five miles in, I'm going to be like, this is a this is a win. And then I began to notice that they were all dressed really interestingly. Like they all had these like fancy shoes on, these socks, these really short shorts. Like who loves short shorts? They love short shorts. Like, <laughs> like I wanted to kind of be like, how do they? Wo-? I actually don't want to know how they work. It Doesn't matter. And they were all wearing these short shorts and then the, these vests and then also like this contraption that like strap around their back in which they had like water and like gels and bars and all this kind of stuff. And um, I was like, are you guys running for like four days? Like, why do you need a gallon of water on your back? And meanwhile, me and JC are standing in the car park. I've got a bottle of water and a protein bar, which is bad. But JC's standing there with a bottle of rubina and a pack of Starburst. Like, <laughs> we look like we are P7s on a school trip. <laughs> and before I go, which is probably the most nervous, we're about to set off and run, and uh, Alan Lewis who's a good friend of mine, hands me a tub of Vaseline. And I'm like, why do I need Vaseline? And so it turns out friction when you run is a thing. And so um, not to get, like, people who say, I always remember your sermons. But it might be because they tell stories like this. Um, LAUGHTER we, uh, Andy McConville was doing these updates every two miles in to raise awareness and to raise money. And so in all the videos, and I'm not sure why he did this. And know they're not still on the internet, so don't go looking for them. Me and JC are standing with our tops, like up, rubbing Vaseline on our nipples. So it's a disaster. It's a disaster. Why? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I know it's a lot. Um, Why why am I telling that story? Two reasons. If you want to engage in the world of justice and injustice and try to uh, figure out how to do that, go tonight. Don't run 12 miles. Just go tonight. Uh, IJM, it'll be incredible, and you'll figure out how to join with Jesus in bringing justice around some of the areas that are facing injustice. And the second reason is that maybe you can't relate to running through a mountain not prepared, but I think all of us can relate in some way, shape, or form to... Uh, showing up at at an occasion, and we're either underdressed or overdressed. We've missed the dress code memo. We haven't quite arrived as we are supposed to, whether we're underdressed or overdressed or whatever it may be. I'm sure all of us in some way, shape, or form can resonate with that. And what Paul's speaking about here in Colossians is a call to dress with the times, a call to dress for the occasion, not in regards to fads and fashions, but in regard to them being the chosen people of God and therefore dressing like it. This isn't a call to a wardrobe change or the dress up or the costume. This is a call to implore us to true transformation. Paul is telling us that the old style is gone and the new wardrobe is here. Last week, Lou did a phenomenal job talking about uh, transformation in our lives, how we move from being our old selves to our new selves, the process of being renewed into God's image, and also did an an incredible job addressing the tension of that that we often experience, this concept of change. Change in the world around us is not a foreign concept. In fact, if you were to pull out your phone or walk into certain bookstores, wherever it is, you'll see self-help books in massive spaces that are selling out continuously. If you go on TikTok, you'll see these people who are like influencers, who are uh, life coaches and mentors and also PTs. I'm not sure how that works, but anyway, and they are telling us how to bring change into our lives. People are making careers off being coaches around what it means to change, and the reason why is because we all long for it. But if we condense this idea of change right down and we look at it re- in a really focused way, we realize is that the places in our life where we experience pain, we also long for change. There are so many places in our lives where we can acknowledge that this isn't the way it's supposed to be, and because of that, we long for change, personal transformation. But also, when we look at the world around us, we can see so many areas of pain in the world around us that we then long for change to happen in those, whether it's in what's happening in the headlines or what's happening around the world, we long for change to happen. The context that Paul is writing to is that this church in Colossae are experiencing pressure and false teachings around what it means to be transformed, what it means to change. It's not uncommon till today where we are bombarded with ways that we can see true change in our lives. Just like that, the church in Colossians are experiencing that. By what power, down what path, and for what purpose can we be truly changed? And in response to this, Paul, instead of instruction of do's and don'ts, he tells them a story. The story of Jesus' death, resurrection, and his life. And how we, as followers of Jesus, are to find ourselves in those three stages. You see, this community is trying to adopt a story to make sense of their lives, to make sense of what it means to be human. And instead, Paul is trying to tell them, as a community, you need to realize you you are adopted by this story, into it woven into the fabric of it, and therefore participants in it. This is not a do better, try harder message. This is a message instructing them to trust the story, the story of Jesus' death, resurrection, and new life. And this is our story. And like a rubber band, when we sway away from it and pull away from it and look at other things, all we do is experience tension of what it means to be human and to be here. See, the only way to a resurrection life is through death. And what Paul is writing to this church in Colossians is perhaps what is relevant to us today. The question is, do you know that you've died? Paul's letter is immersed in baptism theology to so understand what it means to die with Christ, to be submerged with him, but also what it means to be resurrected with him, rising from the old and into the new, Baptism is symbolic, but it is deeply supernatural. It's more than just symbolism. It's more than a decision, but it's a transformation to the depths of who we are. And Paul makes it clear that there is no turning back. You see, the way you've came is not the way that you can go back. Just as the Israelites walked from slavery into freedom as they were led by Moses and the the waters parted and as they walked through, when they got to the other side, it closed, engulfing whatever was left in its wake so you can't return the way you've came. The truth is that you've done nothing to earn it and therefore you can't do anything to unearn it. It is a gift. If you've got your Bible open, I want us to look at verse five for a second. Verse five is what is out of fashion. It never looked good on us and it's never gonna look good on us. Lust, evil desires, greed, adultery. These things will rob you of what it means to be human. You see, in the same way Jesus instructed the people to give the Caesars what is Caesars in the Gospels, which would have been coins that had Caesars image, we are to give to death what is death's. That is what Jesus, or Paul is telling us to do. The first list, will destroy what it means to be human and to be fully alive. The second list in verse eight will destroy community. Anger, rage, malice, slander, these things is what kills community. Paul brushes over the obvious sins. When we read through, we can clearly tell how they're not good for us. And he focuses on the ones that often go unattended by us because they have the gravest of consequences for us as the bride of Christ. You see, when. Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death forever and rising in victory. Something really interesting happens in that story. See, when they went to the tomb, he was not there. But what they found was grave clothes folded and laid where he once was. Just after the greatest miracle in the history of the God story, in the history of humanity, we see the Son of God, the risen Jesus, doing laundry, folding his grave clothes and laying them there, why? Because he was to give the deaths what is deaths, And his resurrection life now was free from that. But more interesting and applicable to us as a community, the other story of resurrection in the New Testament where Lazarus is raised from the dead by Jesus. We read that as soon as Lazarus is raised and walks out of his grave, Jesus instructs the community to take off his grave clothes and his bandages. Why? Surely if he can raise some from the dead, surely he can have them walking out whatever way he wants them to have them walking out. Why? These things are not here by accident in the scriptures. The reason why is because resurrection life, God can resurrect you by himself, but for you to live into the life he has made available for you, you need community. It is community that unravels the bandages and the grave clothes for you to live the life that you've been resurrected to live. You see, verse eight, we read a story of what can corrode community. Paul goes on to tell us that community can be the very thing that overcomes that list in verse eight as we step beyond resurrection into new life. The first step, is death as we die to the idea that we are a better boss of our lives than Jesus. But it's followed by resurrection, and resurrection is to be the basis of our transformation. Resurrection is the power for our transformation, not the product of, in other words, resurrection isn't the goal, it's not the end game, it's not the finale for us. You see, We talk about this sometimes, particularly when it comes near to Christmas time, like what's better than God in the flesh, Jesus? I think the scriptures are clear and the commission to us is clear. What's greater than God in the flesh is God alive in all flesh. It's what he longs for his church to be. You see, often we beat ourselves up in this journey from old to new because we assume that we are a product rather than in a process with power. And we see this in the world around us. If you look at marketing, you look at whatever else, the product itself won't sell by itself. It's the story that you wrap around it is why you buy it. You don't buy iPhones because of the technology in them. You buy them because of the story surrounding them. And what our world needs is not these finished products, neat and tidy, with all our ducks in a row. What the world needs is people that are in a process with power, that are moving from what they once were into what they truly are because people can relate to that. People can engage with that. And the truth is people will engage and understand you way more based off your weaknesses than your strengths. That's why vulnerability is so important. Paul begins in verse 12 with identity. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. We're not wearing these things as a costume. We're not dressing up as something that we're not. The truth is, is we're to dress like who we are. We are to dress for destiny and who we are is God's chosen people. And these clothes that we're to wear are clothes for life. See, many of us try to combat the old self by focusing on not trying to do what we once did. If I can just not do that, I'll be able to get over that. And so we focus on that. And what we've learned over this series the last little while is what gets our attention, gets our devotion, and it also gets the direction of our lives. What you fix your eyes on, what you focus on, your life will move in that direction. And what Paul is saying is don't focus on that. Instead, focus on what you're wearing. So whenever you're confronted with feelings of resentment, what does it mean for you to choose to wear compassion? Bitterness. What does it look like for you to wear kindness, pride? How do you wear humility? These are the things that we are to focus on. We are to put them on even when we don't feel like it. The truth is they are a choice. And man, I have moments and situations in my life where trying to wear those garments is difficult. But we are to wear compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. Because it looks good on us. LVV, we are commissioned to flex what we are wearing, the kindness of God, the gentleness of him, his patience and his forgiveness. You see, if you only focus on what you're taking off rather than what you're putting on, many of us end up half dressed and insecure in who we are. He is the maker and we are the model. We are God's chosen. For some of us, in between the tension of the new and the old, we feel like we've just kind of lost ourselves. The truth is this morning, is that we are God's chosen people. That is our identity. We're to wear the garments that we have received and the label on those garments reads God's chosen. You see, we're to wear forgiveness to this world because we've been given the garment of forgiveness. And forgiveness is a massive topic. We could spend a whole morning teaching into forgiveness. But the truth is is it's controversial and at times the concept of forgiveness is offensive until it's pointed at you. And God's forgiveness is pointed directly at you, past, present, and future. And unforgiveness is poison to our souls and to our hearts. It is a danger to us as a community. These garments are to be worn daily. The truth is is that you get ready for today, today. You don't get ready for tomorrow, today. You don't get ready for today, yesterday. Well, at least, (laughs) I hope you haven't. (laughs) You get ready daily. These garments we are to put on afresh every day, just as his mercies are anew each day, so are these garments. And we are to dress every day. That is a choice. You see, to get dressed is to get ready, to be ready to demonstrate to the world around us who the Jesus is that we worship, who he truly is. Not rumors of him, but who he truly is. And verse 14, put on love, which binds it all together. Love is like, the sneakers of the outfit, the shoes or the boots of the outfit. It's what ties it all together. It's the anchor of the outfit. I don't know if you're like me, but I begin with shoes and then figure out the rest from there. <laughs> but the interesting thing about shoes is that you put on shoes as you're ready to leave the house or you're ready to leave the home. It is shoes that put this, these garments into action. You move into the world around you, demonstrating, wearing what God has given you, who Jesus truly is. And love, which we are to put on, always moves towards the broken. It always moves towards the lost and the lonely. Death, resurrection, and new life. I don't know if you ever look back at old photos and think, man, what was I thinking? I I don't. um. (laughs) But I know that a lot of you do, so It's a a helpful analogy. Um, I had an interesting conversation with uh, a son who, or uh, a parent who has a son in our youth group, and he says, my young person says that you're a fashion icon. I can't think of anything worse. So there you go, divides opinions. Um, But what's really interesting, and to touch on what Lou spoke on, last week as we experienced the tension of old and new. You see, often we view this idea of transformation like we're looking in a mirror. And if you look in a mirror every day, you, you probably won't notice massive changes over the last few years, because it happens gradually. It's kind of like going to the gym. If we're gonna run with this training analogy that we have the last few weeks, if you go to the gym for one day and you look in the mirror the day after, you're probably not gonna notice a massive difference. Even after a week, you're maybe not going to notice a massive, massive difference. Well, I don't, so I might be doing it wrong, but you won't notice a massive difference. After a month, maybe a little bit, but if you look back over a year, you'll begin to see a lot of change. See, a lot of us treat our transformation and our journey like, Jesus, like we're looking in a mirror every day. We kind of feel like nothing's really changing. See, we need mirrors, but we also need pictures. I almost think it's those stories from Awaken where there was photos, Polaroids in it. That's, I almost feel like that's prophetic for us. Like we need to look back at photos to realize that that's once who we were. But now we are no longer that person. For some of you here this morning, for all of us this morning, we may not be where we want to be, but we're certainly not where we used to be. And we are in transition through that. And we need pictures as a reference for that, not just mirrors. The truth is we underestimate or overestimate what can happen in a day or a week or a month, and we underestimate what can happen in a year or two years. This is what we talk about when we talk about long obedience in the same direction of committing to follow Jesus, of showing up even on the days when we don't feel like it. This is what it means to do the Jesus stuff and to follow him. In light of Paul's teaching, it kind of takes a turn and it kind of changes gears. And so we're going to do that this morning also partly because I don't have time to teach through these next few verses because there's so much in it but I encourage you guys to sit with it and to read it and to study it but just as we change gears I want to shift from just teaching on this idea and almost bring a little bit of a prophetic sense on this passage for us as a community as well and it's a significant morning for us as we have given to what God is doing here in and through us. We are implored to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Eugene Peterson in the message that will appear above me in verse 15 puts it like this, "Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other and step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give a plenty of room in your lives instruct and direct one another using good common sense, and sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail of your lives, word, action, whatever, let it be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God, God the Father every step of the way. This Sunday we have entered into a new step in our journey as a community, and our journey as God's chosen people. This new building, I want to be clear, it's not the promised land. It's not the end game. This isn't what it looks like for the life of Jesus to come to every person and every part of our city and region. This is not the final goal for us, but it is a step on the way. It's an exciting step. It's a kingdom step. And it's one that we sense Jesus is leading us into. And this new home, on a morning like this morning, or afternoon like this afternoon, our confession and declaration is that the message of the risen, ruling, and forever reigning King Jesus will have the run of the house. We are instructed by Paul to give it plenty of room, and we are literally making more room. And the message that will run rampant through there is the message and the good news of Jesus. It is good news for a reason, because it's good. And that is what we want to have, the run of the house. Over the last 10 years in this community, we've seen God do some of the most incredible things in and through us. And we are simply making room for more. As we step into the next step, Paul tells us with every step in the way to thank God and in a moment we're going to do that because it's a fitting response on, a mo- on an afternoon like this afternoon see many of the stories here today sat in these seats in our community we have experienced death resurrection and new life in this space once stood your old self Maybe you can remember walking into this place feeling broken and watching how through community, Jesus gradually put you back together again. Maybe you walked into this space hopeless and over the last little while through community, you've watched hope enter your heart in a significant and beautiful way. Maybe you walked in this space addicted and bound, and now you live in freedom. We stand now clothed in our new wardrobe, not to say how neat and tidy we are to the world, but to demonstrate to them what happens when God gets a grip of your life. And through community, we do the work of taking off the grave clothes, taking off the bandages, beyond just a moment of resurrection, but into new life to demonstrate to this world that the God we worship is alive. He's not dead or distant, but he's here and with us. And so my heart and my sense is that the bins of this building and next building will be filled to the brim of the grave clothes of those who have now experienced resurrection life. And we would be the community to get around them to unravel those bandages for them to be free and to understand what it means to be fully alive and fully human the last 10 years we've seen your life change we've seen so many lives change the next 10 years you can watch back our vision someday you'll see in detail what we long to see happen But if we were to boil it down, we want to see resurrection life happen. And for us as a community and a family to undo those bandages, releasing each other into what it means to be fully alive. Where we experience pain, we long for change. We pray in our liturgy that the kingdom of God would come to the Lagan Valley and the world as it is in heaven. What I believe about God is that he doesn't export what doesn't happen at home. And so he wants to do it here. He wants his kingdom to come here and to be demonstrated. He wants his desires to be made known and lived out here in this space, in this family. Not that we contain it to it, but that it spills out into the world and into everyone around us. Just like the Colossians We can't try to adopt this story and wedge it in to what we're doing. We need to find ourselves afresh this morning, adopted into his story of what he is doing as active participants. And so what can our response be on a day like today? But to worship him and to adore him and to put him in his rightful place as king and lord over all. If you're able, can you stand? Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense and sing. Sing your hearts out to God sing, sing your hearts out to God we're going to respond now in worship it's as simple and as profound and as beautiful as what it is as on a day like today we acknowledge what God has done over the last 10 years and we thank him with gratitude and adoration in our hearts, maybe you've had a revelation this morning that you're not who you once were thank him for that but we're also here to hunger for more that there is still greater to be done and demonstrated in this region and that we long to see it happen and so every step of the way we will sing sing our hearts out to god thank Vineyard, this worship risen and reigning and ruling king jesus This worship